Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 484. This is going to be an internal discussion between me and my great host, Adrian, um, of Groundhog. We're going to be talking uh, about... Well, you know, copyright and if somebody nicks some of your content off your website or they copy a whole application, what what do we think about that? And we give some advice, maybe what some of the things you've got to consider about stopping somebody doing that. So, Adrian, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Hi, everyone. My name is Adrian. I am the CEO and founder of Groundhog, a marketing automation suite of plugins designed to help you grow your business. And I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're everything that you need if you want to build a course. If you want to make money from e-learning, we can build the whole thing out for you or provide a platform using the power of WordPress to build your e-learning course yourself with our support so you can concentrate on building a great course and we can concentrate on the technology. Um, So I think one of the subjects we're going to start off with and then um, we'll see how we go, Adrian, is about copyright, about... So have you come across anybody um, taking chunks of the Groundhog website? Has that come up on your radar at all? Not yet. Uh, you know, that being said, though, you know, I'm looking forward to the day that that actually happens because that kind of means that, you know, you've reached a certain you've reached a certain spot in the hierarchy <laughs> of the plugin industry when someone else starts, you know, thinking about copying your stuff. I know that recently happened to Jack at WP Fusion. Someone copied his plugin and nulled it and they're selling it in their you know, premium plugins pack. Uh, it's full of spamware and crippleware and stuff like that. So don't do, don't download it. But you know, once you get to that point, or once that happens to you, you've reached a certain like status, which is kind of cool. So I'm actually looking forward to that day. You know, yeah. but the question comes like, so do you, can you do anything about it? Right. Well, it's a very gray area. You know, obviously, um, WordPress. A lot of the things you do in WordPress is is covered by the uh, open license, the GPL. GPL, uh, the general public license, for those of you who do not know uh, any software in the WordPress repository. So this is not necessarily, uh, you know, premium plugins and premium software that you have to purchase outside of the WordPress ecosystem and outside of the WordPress repository does not necessarily have to be GPL. But the general public license covers all software and all plugins within the WordPress repository. All the free stuff that you can download, all the themes, all the plugins are covered under GPL. And it basically means that anyone is able to freely modify, redistribute, sell, uh, and pretty much do whatever they want with any code that you put in the repository under the general public license. That's why it's considered open source. So all of my plugins are GPL licensed and most of everybody that I know's plugins are, are GPL just because you know the, the, the method of distribution for a WordPress plugin is generally through the WordPress.org repository and a qualification of selling plugins that are related to plugins in the WordPress repository is that all of your stuff 
has to be GPL as well. Elementor got into trouble with that, uh, with Matt, who pushed for uh, their premium offering of Elementor to be GPL, which was, was formerly MIT licensed, which provides a little bit more control and restriction to the actual developer. So Yeah, and then we discussed it last week on the WP Tonic Roundtable show, didn't we? Uh, was yeah, we got into it a little bit. This was actually earlier. I think this yeah, was, was last year. And they were operating their premium version under MIT, which gave them a lot more control over who could mess with their stuff. And it gave them legal grounds to pursue people who were, you know, making extensions in stuff that they didn't like uh, or that they wanted to go away. That gave them legal grounds to do that. The GPL, which they inevitably reverted to, for their premium version as well, uh, removes them that that control and flexibility. And basically, it's kind of like a free-for-all now. So, so you got that element of complex complexity, um, you know, because in general, you are allowed, you know, you, you, any kind of plug-in um, that's been developed, you're, you've got every right to take that and do whatever you want with it. Pretty uh, much, even if it means like two, you can take anybody's plugin or any software, WordPress, and you can recall it. You can change the name, you can change whatever, and upload it to the repository, and then sell it as marketed as your own. There's literally nothing preventing you from doing so, except for development and resources and support and all the stuff that, of course, you incur as now becoming a software developer with somebody else's stuff. Uh, the most famous example of this is probably WooCommerce which used to be WPE Commerce until it got forked and became WooCommerce, which is now like the de facto e-commerce solution in the entire world. Yeah, you know, that caused a lot of controversial comment, um, the way it was handled, blah, blah, blah. But fundamentally, they did nothing wrong. Um, it was Legally, they did nothing wrong. Ethically is certainly up to interpretation. And I mean, if we're looking... Now, however many years later, six, seven, eight years later, however long ago it was, it's fundamentally a different product than it was mm. when it was forked. It is like there, there, there is barely anything recognizable in between the original version and the, the product that we have today. So, you know, it kind of begs the question in situations like this, you know, when you have kind of like that split in the road, when someone's like, you know what, I really like what this person is doing, but I think that I can take it to the next level. Do they have an obligation to actually do so? Because if they have the resources and the will to, you know, go and say, I think you're doing great and, you know, power to you, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to try and do it myself. And I don't need to start from scratch. I'm just, your, your, your stuff is open source. Let's have a go at it and we'll see what we can create. Because it's almost, you know, it's almost guaranteed that without WooCommerce ever actually existing, would we have the same level of sophistication in that software that we would have if they, if WP e-commerce had continued? And I, by the way, I met the founder uh, of WP e-commerce, and he's not bitter or anything. And uh, he's actually, you know, it's like, you know, it is what it is. You know, that's the game that we play. And they did really, really, really well with it. So it's tough. And... But it's it's hard it's hard to look at WooCommerce and say they're a bad company because they were originally forked from another one. But it's super painful when it happens in the first place, right? Yeah. Um, so you got that element. Um, also, you got the element that um, 
you know, the branding, you, you can, and copyright, right. um, and protecting um, your logo, um, key branding elements of of your business. So you can definitely copy, protect those in America. I, I don't know what the situation is in Canada. I would imagine it's pretty similar and in the UK. But you've got to understand that WordPress has become a, a, a global business. Uh, uh, um, so, you know, a lot of people that blatantly copy looks of a website or even key elements, if they're based outside the US, Canada, and you haven't got the resources to hire a lawyer in a different country, it's bad enough you're hiring a lawyer to pursue something like this yeah. in your own, your own country. But alone, um, like if somebody copied the whole um, website of Alimator and copied their branding and just altered it slightly and then fought it as well. Well, obviously, Alimator um, is a pretty substantial company. They are based in Israel. They would have to employ, you know, lawyers in America if that company was based in America. But then it probably isn't. It's probably based in some other country in the world, well, you can you can soon see where all this is leading. Yeah, it's leading it, to a nightmare, isn't it? It is, and you know, with GPL and and kind of all of these issues, I think I think the ambiguity of it all prevents people from actually entering the space in the first place. Because if you're, for example, a software as a service organization, you don't have a problem, right? Because your code's protected, your site's protected, all of this stuff is protected. And you don't necessarily, you know, have the same fears of someone just going out and basically copying your shit. It still happens. It takes a lot more effort and a lot more money to do that in the software as a service industry, but not so in the WordPress industry, which is, you know, open source and all that good stuff. If that were to happen and, you know, on the scale of like Elementor or something, right? They have, the, the thing is like, they have such a brand reputation at this point. Uh, Four million, you know, people sites using Elementor around the world—crazy numbers. And I don't, I don't think that a small player with a limited budget who blatantly copies whatever is going to be able to do any sort of harm to a reputation and brand that's so large. Only if Elementor started doing things that really kind of, yeah damage their own user base. The only people who can damage Elementor at this point is Elementor. Exactly. <laughs> right? The the concern comes when you're maybe my size and you know you got you know few employees, you got 1000 customers and you know you don't have a global brand reputation at this point. You know, so, the, so the fear is certainly very real and if someone were to come in and say hey listen I'm going to take all your stuff and make it my own and there's nothing damn thing you can do about it, you know, you'd be pretty pissed. It would not be, it would not be a good day. So the question is, do you hire, you know, do you personally? I just want to quickly ask, have, have, you, have you done that yourself with your own branding? You know, have you protected it? 
So all yeah, groundhog trademark copyrights all all in place. Well, so um, we might we might be best to discuss if you're okay about it, discussing the process of doing that yeah. in the second half. How does that sound? Yeah. So uh, I, but, absolutely, you should. If uh, and I'll just quickly say, if you have a brand, you should trademark it because without without a trademark. You have no legal ground to pursue anybody who's actively damaging your brand. No, you have um, none. Um, but um, now, I've had a couple people. One was legitimate, and one wasn't. One was one. I have a a virtual assistant um, that helps me out, and we were building some pages out. And they basically copied a few paragraphs from an existing site. And the individual that wrote it, um, I'm actually a customer of theirs. And they sent me a really, really awful email threatening me that were going to ex- expose me in their WordPress group as a, a Freuster and a terrible person in the WordPress community, blah, blah, blah. And I just told him to get on with it, basically, because <laughs> um, he, really, as you should have, because um, you know, I would, I would be, I would be remiss if I didn't say that I didn't borrow inspiration from other people's stuff before. Well, okay. she had, I think that's really the only way that you text, but you know, um, you you can't actually word, you can't actually protect text. You know, if you take a whole book or a whole magazine article or you know, it's it's a slightly grey area when it comes to actual text based on the research I've done. And the other time, which I got threatened, this was about two years ago, I got threatened, or about 18 months ago, I got threatened by somebody that's notorious for this, actually. And they run, I'm not going to name him, they, they run a website and a course and a very popular Facebook page uh, community. But they're notorious. My copywriter and myself, we wrote an article and he came back to me and said, you've copied this article. And I said, well, you published something in this area over a year ago, and yeah, we're writing about the same subject. But if you if you look at any of the paragraphs, we have not lifted them. It might be in the same. And he said, "Well, yeah, you've copied." I said, "You can't copyright a, a, a theme." I'm sorry. You cannot. You can't copyright topics. You can't claim. You can't claim a resolution. You can't claim a conclusion, and you can't claim the question. Those are just things that are available to anyone to discuss topics. If you start at the same point and you end at the same point, just because you started and ended in the same way does not necessarily make it the same as somebody else's work. There are a hundred thousand ways to do the same thing in code and the same, the same is said for text, the written word, blog post, and all of that. And he got very, very upset with my answer extremely upset and I made the business decision I, I just didn't want to get into a pissing match with this individual and um, so we re- rewrote we took it down and we did a major rewrite of it 
and we put it back up again under my supervision. I made the decision. I wasn't very happy the way that he handled it and the way that he spoke to me. But on the other hand, I didn't really want to get into a major, because he had a, a major um, Facebook group, still has. Mm-hmm. And basically I found out that the guy's a bit of a prick anyway. So... Uh, um, um, be quite truthful about it. Um, I'm not the only, I found out I wasn't the only one that he has done this to. Um, so it, it passed, but just to recap before we go for a break is, you know, um, you do need to copyright. You need, you do need to check your brand, but you've got to understand that only protects you from somebody that's, that's maliciously based. attacking. Well, they've got to be based in the U.S. realistically or based in Canada. Based in uh, your country. <laughs> in your Canada. You know, um, you know, especially, you know, you, you could approach their hosting provider, but their hosting provider has to be based in the U.S. And a lot of hosting providers now aren't. They are based in Bulgaria. They, they can have servers. Malta. In the Malta. And there's a number of hosting, you know, Bulgaria, Hungary. A lot of hosting now is based outside the U.S. Um, legally, they are based outside the U.S. Well, you can write to them and you can ask them nicely, but legally they don't have to take any notice of your request. And it's the same if they're legally established in Malta or Bulgaria or, or some other um, in the Far East or anything that, you know, legally you can write to them, you can ask them, but you can't make them do anything, can you? No, you can't. Uh, I have a few more thoughts. Let's go to the break. And then yeah, we'll we're going for our break. And we'll be back in this whole subject in a few minutes. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WP Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WP Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white-label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. We're coming back. And um, so you got some more thoughts about yeah. this, Adrian. So the first, thing, the first thing I'd like to say is there's no such thing as an original idea. <laughs> It just doesn't exist. Everybody's got an idea and they've you know, written something out on a napkin or on a blog post or they've written some code or whatever it is. But you know, there's, there's, there's no such thing. And the question is, if, if you were a creator and you see someone else you know, doing something in the same vein, maybe even lifting a couple paragraphs or a few phrases or maybe some design inspiration from your site, what do you do? And I'd, I'd, you know, I'd argue to say that, you know, do nothing. Even if, you know, this person is obviously, you know, borrowing some inspiration. And I am someone who has borrowed inspiration from many different places. I am not, you know, when it, when it, when it comes to design and copywriting and all of this stuff, I am super lazy. So what I do is I go out and I observe other organizations who are successful in what they're doing. 
And then I try to emulate that without downright copying it. And I try to emulate the design aspects of their sites. I try to emulate the phrases and the copywriting, but, you know, tweak it to actually suit whatever my needs are. Uh, For example, Syed Balki, who runs some of the most successful WordPress plugins in the industry, has the same pricing page layout for every single one of his products. And the reason that he has that product page and that pricing layout is because he's tested it to the freaking, you know, moon and back. And he knows that it works. So I'm like, well, if he knows that it works, then it'll probably work for me. So I went to his pricing page and I absolutely, you know, blatantly borrowed some design elements of that page in order to make my pricing page perform better because it was performing like crap. And I think that's okay. And I think that he'd probably think it's okay if he ever listens to this. Because no one really owns design. And he probably went out and he learned that layout from guess what? Somebody else. Everybody learns someone uh, something from someone and then they emulate that. And what happens is, you know, along the ways of learning from other people, we see other people learn the same things, but then we think that they actually copied us. So if you put it into that perspective, it becomes a little bit different. And a lot of times people will just have similar ideas to other people and that's okay too. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they're copying. The difference in lies is, is the copying with malicious intent? If you can define malicious intent, then absolutely, you know, send a cease and desist letter. This happened when I used to work in the agency here in Toronto. Uh, someone lifted our site and they, you know, had, you know, our, the, the agency's name was Training Business Pros. You know, their name was Business Training Pros, <laughs> which is awfully similar. And then they had lifted pretty much page per page a whole bunch of the design and, and sites. So we sent a cease and desist letter. And were they based in Canada? They were based in Canada. They were based in Toronto. So it's like, okay, then, yeah. you know, this is pretty, pretty obvious at this point. And then, you know, if it's obvious, go ahead, send a cease and desist letter. But if there's no malicious intent behind it, you know, it's going to cost you more money to send the lawyer's letter than them taking it down or removing it is going to save you. <laughs> right. There's, there's, there's no, there's, there, there's so much business on the internet and there's so much traffic and there's so much freaking content that, you pursuing any sort of legal route to seek reparations is going to cost you more than you'd actually save by doing absolutely nothing, especially if there's no malicious intent involved. Now, there's a couple areas here that you got to be aware of. First of all, it's your logo and your actual real Yeah, claim. well, that stuff you have to trademark. So I well, went through the whole trademark process. You went for the whole thing. So yeah. um, how painful was it to find a lawyer that was... Did you first of all did you hire a lawyer or did you get do this yourself? And secondly, how hard was it to find a lawyer that you, you were happy with? Uh, so first of all, do yourself a favor, hire a lawyer. <laughs> there is no reason for you to to try and figure out the complicated processes for each. So I were trademark in Europe, in the United States, and Canada. You have to trademark in all places individually in order to protect yourself in those regions. So you, it's not just you can register in Canada and then you're protected everywhere. No, you have to register in each region on each system separately. So that's something that you have to take into account. We hired an IP lawyer that actually used to be a client for the agency. So it was actually pretty serendipitous that way. We just, you know, called them up and say, hey, listen, you know, we have this venture and we need your help. And like, okay, great, we can, we can, we can help you out there. So that was super easy. Although there are plenty of 
organizations and sites where you can, they have lawyers in-house. They essentially just upload your logos and upload your files online. And behind the scenes, they'll just take care of everything for you for like 500 bucks per region, essentially, or for per image, per logo. So we have, for example, our mascot trademarked. We have our logo trademarked. We have uh, obviously the brand names trademarked and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so roughly... If, if you don't mind, if you don't want to answer, I totally understand. But roughly, to cover Canada, US, and Europe, how much did it roughly cost you? It roughly cost for all three, for me, $3,500 Canadian. Hmm. Although I know you can get it cheaper uh, hmm. through going through the online services. But it's, it's, a, it's a question of who you want to work with okay. and how much it is you want to protect. For me, the mascot and the logo were the most important things. Uh, that's what we want to protect is the brand. The code, don't really care about. It's impossible to trademark it copyrighted anyway. Uh, and obviously, you know, code is fluid. You know, websites are fluid. Uh, design, fluid. Words, fluid. That stuff is ever-changing, but the logo and mascot and those design elements are, you know, permanent. Okay. So don't spend time, if you're going through the trademark or the process, you know, don't try and save things or protect things that will change because now, your changes will just void any protections that you have. Now, an area that is a little bit different and there's really, um, it happened to me at about 10, 11 years ago, and it still regularly happens, is clients or um smaller agencies or you'd be surprised that the kind of organizations that still do this do not take images off the internet and then start using them um, because um, there are certain photographic agencies that have made a career about pursuing other agencies and um, they, their business model was the actual... This happened to us. Actually, I have an anecdotal story of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, back in the day, you know, what you'd do is if you're like putting a web page together, even as a demo web page, right? Which is yes. what happened in this case. Yeah, we're putting together was, some. Yeah, that was yeah. my thing as well. It was a yeah. demo. Yeah. So we're putting we're putting together like this demo website, which is accessible to anybody via the internet, right? Uh, it wasn't it wasn't like launched or anything, but we just you know we need some images in there, and we're not going to go buy images right away until we know what kind of like the final design. So we go to Google Images and what do you do? Freaking downloaded images like, yeah, it's close enough for now and you know we'll change it later or buy it or whatever. So we're putting the site together. And all of a sudden we got an email from, uh, should I say the name? All right, I'll, I, won't, I won't say the name, uh, but we get an email from a uh, photo distributor, an online photo distributor. It's the same and, people. <laughs> I know it's the same people that did it to me. An online photo distributor saying, you're using one of the sites that we own the co- or one of the images that we own the copyright for, and you need to pay us three thousand dollars or we'll sue. Essentially, and the thing is, like, shit, you you you're, you're, you don't really we paid because you don't really have a choice. Well, uh, I didn't. I took it straight down and I said, "Go ahead." I said, "I made a mistake. I'm prepared." And in the end, I had to give them a couple hundred dollars. But um, they sent me a lot of letters and a lot of very threatening letters. I made sure the images were taken down straight away. And most people, um, their business model was notorious. 
Um, and but most other people, they they will send you a warning letter and give you some grace time to take. They're more worried in protecting their um, intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Um, but they 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 were using it as a business model. But um, I refused, and they they and in the end, I settled for like two three hundred dollars with them. Yeah, I know it's protect yourself by using royalty free images or just buying them. Back in the agency days, in the early this this was like five maybe six years ago, and uh, you know a lot of a lot of the ambiguity. Well, the main thing is yeah. take images and modify them heavily, <laughs> and, then they, and then they can't. The technology they're using for tracking won't actually work. Uh, um, that's why. That's why I use Canva now. I use I use Canva and that protects us wholeheartedly because they have their library of images that you can use and you can throw in graphics and whatnot on top of them and that voids any copyright that anybody else might have claim to that image and protects you from that. So that's well, that's how we it's probably it. they can still, but it makes it more difficult and more fluid the situation, doesn't it? Yeah, it may, and you know, because at the end of the day, right. The the question from the business perspective, right? If again, it all comes down to malicious intent. Is the you know is it worth going after this person and trying to collect? How much is it going to cost me to collect on the amount that they owe me? Right? You know, one of the, one of the things about the court system for civil lawsuits and frauds in in Canada is that the court system is not a collection system, and that. If you go and you actually try and collect anybody, it's basically a fruitless endeavor because all they have to do is dissolve and reopen under a new name and then you have to start the litigation process all over again. So it's like, all right, how much am I actually going to spend in order to get any kind of monetary compensation? Well, my, my, is way too much, usually. My, my advice, you know, the only, the only area where this particular advice, and it's my personal opinion, where it doesn't, is around copyright and brand. Trademark. Trademark is my understanding, and I might be totally wrong here, is that when you take a trademark out in the US, and this might be different in Canada and Europe, but in the US specifically, if you take a trademark out, you are expected to defend it. And if it, if it, if somebody else is using that trademark, you're expected to challenge it. And if you don't, in the end, you lose control of the trademark. That is my understanding. It might be wrong. I'm not giving any legal advice here. And you would We're not to, lawyers. I'm not a lawyer. But on the other side of things, in general, unless it's the most blatant, blatant copy infringement, I taking the whole website or um, taking certain elements of your branding. If it's not, and the person doing it is based in your jurisdiction, in your area, um, I really wouldn't really get that upset about it. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think you've got better things to concentrate your time on. And Focus the, your energy on somewhere more productive. Exactly. And the people that do this, I've, I see it as a sign that their business is in decline and they've got too much time on their hands, basically. What do you, do, what do you, to wrap this up, what do you think, Adrian? I, I absolutely agree. Listen, if, if someone is doing a blatant 
you know, copy it because they got nothing better to do and they're not really a threat, right? So if, if, you're, if you're really concerned about it and you have legitimate grounds to be concerned, for example, you know, cus- your customers are confused by they see this site and they think it's you and it's not, then that is a legitimate concern because then, you know, they're, they're, it's, you know, it's confusing and it's costing you money and time support and all these things. My process for dealing with this is as follows. Number one, send them a very nice, uh, very understanding email yeah. that says, hey, listen, uh, some of my, you know, whatever the reason is that you're distressed. Some of my customers are, you know, confused and there's because your site seems to be super similar to mine. Uh, you know, this is probably just a misunderstanding or maybe you hired someone or whatever. Would you mind making these changes to make it more obvious that these are not the same thing? And if they basically, you know, if they respond, you know, and they respond, hey, yeah, no problem. We'll make those changes. No worries. We're, you know, we're, stop- we're sorry for causing the, the problem. Great. You know, nothing, nothing, ha- no- nothing needs to I think that's so. I think that's such good advice because the couple of times one where I made a mistake... The other time, um, I just didn't agree. They really approached me in a really quite aggressive, unless I think the advice that you've just given is so insightful, Adrian. You know, keep it polite, keep it reasonably friendly. There's no need to ruffle up, you know, it does the opposite of what you're looking for, I feel. Aggression seeks aggression. If you go in aggressively, guess what? You're going to get an aggressive response. So it's so if you you know be nice about it. If you're if you're legitimately concerned, then if they're a good actor, if the other if the person on the other end is a good quality actor, then you are going to you're going to get a nice resolution. You're going to get a resolution to your issue. If it's a bad actor, right, and you know the 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 copying was you know with malicious intent and whatever, spend the five hundred dollars on a lawyer to send a cease and desist letter. But if they're a bad actor and they don't respond to the cease and desist letter, give up. Spend your and focus your energy elsewhere. Uh, unless, of course, you know they're attacking your trademarks and all of that stuff, then you're going to need to, you know, spend a little bit more money and, you know, go through the legal steps into protecting your trademark because that's important. Because but you in my experience, unless you know you you are actively being sued, and there's not nothing you you, you know and what has been asked of you, you feel you just cannot settle with these people. In my experience, avoiding the legal system, um, you know, if you're owed money, you know, suing people that owe you money, you really got to find out, have they got any money to pay you? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the um, question. <laughs> um, uh, there's no point in suing somebody that's gone bankrupt because you're not going to get any money. Um so some people really get a bit gun ho and they really seek legal remedies and they learn the hard way that the legal system really um is not a collections agency. Well you really should avoid it like the plague unless you know you've got no option or you've been forced in it by somebody else's action. It, it's not something to actively pursue, it's something to avoid like the plague. When you're down at the biz, if when you're down at the small business level, it's not like Coca-Cola and Pepsi, right? They have you know almost infinite resources to spend on lawyers, litigation, 
and they have the pocketbooks to back up any sort of you know declaration of compensation by the court. Down at the small business level, all you have to do to avoid paying anything is set up an LLC, have an LLC. So if you have a limited liability company and you own everything and the organization owns nothing, essentially, then great, you're not going to be able to collect from any organization that you sue, number one. Number two, if you do happen to get past the LLC or they're not, maybe, maybe they're not an LLC, right? And you're suing the organization, the organization has assets. A lot of, in a lot of cases, what that person can do is they can just dissolve their company, reincorporate under a different name, move whatever brand trademarks that they have to the, to the new organization to avoid any sort of legal fees. And then you have to, again, start your litigation process all over. So it's really, you know, I don't want to say it's a fruitless endeavor because if you're going up against a large organization, they don't have those luxuries. Right? They're incorporated not under LLCs, but under proper organizations that has assets, and they can't just dissolve and then you know, spark up something new. So you have, you know, if you're going after a larger organization, fine. But at the, at the, at the smaller level, right? at, like at our level, we don't, there, it's a fruitless endeavor in most cases. Mm-hmm. In the agency, we've taken on several legal battles where we were, uh, someone actually tried to sue us for a breach of contract when they failed to deliver on their product which is not, not great. They sued, and we ended up winning the lawsuit, and they, and they were ordered to pay $25,000 in reparations and court fees. And they dissolved, reincorporated, and we have not been able to collect. But we, you know, the, 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 the lawsuit was basically, at that point, just proving a point for us. It was the principle. We wanted to win based on principle. Instead of paying whatever ridiculous fees that he said that we owed him when he failed to deliver on the product that he promised, and you know we're just—it's not a collections agency, and we're not—we're never going to see that money, and we know that, and we're okay, but we won. And uh, so, if you're doing it based on principle, then you go right ahead, but make sure that you just have the pocketbook to back it up. Right. Let's wrap this show. Um, so, Adrian, how can people find out more about you and Groundhog? So you won't find much legal advice or <laughs> reparations advice on, on my site, but if you're looking for marketing automation and you want to be able to build your list and communicate with your listeners and your subscribers, then you can head over to groundtalk.io with two Gs and uh, we have lots of tools and plugins that will help you do exactly that. And um, if you want to support the show, um, go to the WP Tonic website and sign up for our monthly newsletter um, it's going to have loads of content. I've revamped it. It's going to have a lot more content about WordPress, the plugins that we talk about on the roundtable show that we recommend, articles that I write during the, the month um, around WordPress and e-learning, um, and some of the best podcasts of the month as well. So it's a great newsletter. And you can also win a prize. And um, I think I'm going to have to find a winner this month. I haven't even looked yet. Um, and that's tomorrow. Um, either be probably the next week. Uh, um, um, we could be announcing a winner and they're going to win a prize up over $200. And I think it's going to be LearnFlow, the actual license for the year. And that's worth more than $200. So sign up for the newsletter and you can win a, pri- a monthly prize. Um, and we'll see you next week. See you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 